Well, again, Merry Christmas. I don't know if you're familiar with that song or not. It is from a, a musical that's put together every Christmas time called Behold the Lamb. And uh, a few years ago, we, we started listening to that at Christmas. And it just, that, that song is one of the most authentic nativity songs that I've heard. And I want I, to ask you to do something with me tonight that, that, uh, that I think is important to the context of the Christmas story. I want you to imagine yourself uh, being in Mary and Joseph's shoes, walking their road and doing what they had to do. Imagine being uh, pregnant for the first time as a teenager an unwed teenager. This honorable man has partnered with you to to see this through. And you're trusting a a loving God. You're trusting prophecy. You're trusting a message that's been handed down for generations. And and if you're Mary, you're, you're giving birth for the very first time on a cold night in an unfamiliar city in a barn. And I don't know if expectations were the same back then as they are today, but uh, I'm guessing that in her mind, that's probably not how it all played out. And in Joseph's mind, that's probably not how it all played out. But we find two, two amazing individuals that because they trusted a holy God, stepped into uncomfortable things, and this story unfolded, that we get to see unfold before our very eyes, and we get the benefit of history. Now, if we look at this story and we reel it back a little further, we actually can see a a, a really awesome moment in the story of Mary. If you want to turn there with me, we're going to look at at the book of Luke, Luke chapter 1. It's on page 591 if you want to use the Bible that's in the pouch in front of you, in the chair in front of you. Uh, And uh, again, I'll say this, if you're here on Sundays, you hear me say this often, but uh, if you need a Bible, take that one. If you know someone who needs one, take that one. If you're looking for a last minute Christmas gift and you don't know what to give that person, take the Bible, give it to them. You don't have to say you took it from church, we're giving it to you. we want to see God's Word in as many hands as possible, so we would love for you to have that if you need one, or if you know someone who does. Luke chapter 1, uh, it'd probably be good if I turned there myself, right? In Luke chapter 1, it's, uh, we see this, this moment... That's, that really transforms history, and I think to give you a little bit of backstory, it's been literally centuries have passed. Centuries have passed since these prophecies have been given that the promise of a Messiah would come. And Mary knew this. Mary knew the story. She knew the prophecies. She knew how this would all go. She didn't know how it would go, but she knew that this moment was going to come at some point. And in chapter 1 of Luke, what we see is that an angel comes down and like Kurt read to the kids, comes down and gives this message to Mary. And she says, such things are too wonderful for me. But then she goes and visits, (coughs) excuse me, she goes and visits her, 
her, uh, her, her cousin Elizabeth. And as she walks in the door, John the Baptist, who Elizabeth is carrying in her womb, leaps inside of her because in walks Mary, who's carrying Jesus. It's this beautiful moment. And as Mary starts to retell and Elizabeth starts to speak into this amazing story, we finally see Mary uh, say something in full response to this. If we look back a little further, the angel Gabriel is still there. And in verse 37, he says, For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary responds with this. She says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. What she says is, This all sounds really, really crazy. But I trust you. And if this is what God wants, then let it be done through and in me. It's really a humble and amazing response for someone to get such crazy news. But then as she's had a little bit of time to process on her way to Elizabeth's house, and they're talking about this, Mary uh, responds in song. And think about that. Think about a moment in your life where you've been so overwhelmed with joy or uh, overwhelmed with emotion that you, you just start bursting into song. If you know Jim Galt, it probably happens in his house often. But I think you have to be filled with great joy to respond that way. And this is Mary's response that we see in Luke 1. Read along with me, or follow along with me while I read Luke 1, starting at verse 46. And Mary said, this is a, this is a song, a poem. I don't know the tune, so I'm just going to read it. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. I think this is amazing because this is her response. This is her response to this amazing moment where prophecy and promises are being fulfilled in her life. Have you ever thought about the difference between a reaction and a response? When you witness uh, uh, or are unfortunate enough to be a part of a, a car accident or a, a house fire or some kind of emergency, we call those people first responders. Why do we call them that? We call them that because they are equipped, trained, and ready when a moment of crisis shows up. They have vehicles that are completely loaded up with things that they can use to respond to a situation. 
A first reactor at a car accident is the person who pulls out their phone and shaking hands tries to remember what, num- what three number combination they have to call for an emergency. That's a reaction. That's when we react. Reactions are usually emotional. Reactions are usually not calculated. They're usually not thought through. They're usually not given time to be calculated or controlled. But a response, that's calculated. That's controlled. A response has been, has, has been marinated in. A response has had time to, to sit and think about this. And whenever she says such deep things that she says in this, in this, in this song that she sings, this beautiful eruption of poetry that comes out of her in this moment, this is not someone who just found out she was having a baby and all of life is great. This is someone who has absorbed truth and absorbed all of the history and the teaching and back whenever the Exodus happened and the Ten Commandments are are penned by the hand of God into stone. When that happens, those stories are told throughout the generations. Parents tell their kids and their kids tell their kids and their kids tell their kids. And for generations, these stories of God's faithfulness and how God was going to bring a redeemer have been told. And Mary has sat at the feet of people that have told her about this great God. And they told her what to look for. And they told her what to watch for. And they, and they were happy about it. When families gathered they would gather and tell these stories. It was entertainment. It was, it was, Grandpa, tell us that story again about the people wandering in the desert. Grandpa, tell us about the Red Sea. Grandma, tell us about those moments whenever the walls of Jericho fell and you saw the faithful hand of God. And intertwined with that, all of those things pointed to a greater promise that one day, we would be redeemed from the pit and mess of sin through a a redeemer. So when Mary was told by an angel that this happened to her, she was the one. She said, may it be to me as you have said. Open hands. And as she has time to think through it, she starts rattling out this historical theology that she see in her song. It's her response. She's had it in her head and in her heart for a long time. It just, it's all erupting out now because she, was, she knew it. She responded. She did not react See, we were in a pretty messy spot as human beings. We had chosen sin the whole way back in the garden. It was a messy, messy thing that we chose to walk away from a holy God and chose to live in sin. We chose to believe the lies that there was something out there God wasn't giving us. We chose to believe the lies that if we work hard enough, we can get whatever we want and get where we need to go. We chose to believe the lie that we can live a life and be completely content and at peace with every aspect of our lives without Jesus. We, we chose to believe that we could do better without God than we could with Him. 
And because of that, we let sin come into our hearts and into our lives, the whole way back in the Garden of Eden in Genesis. And because sin and a holy God can't be in the same place, there's this huge chasm that lands in between us and God. And the story of Scripture is this beautiful redemptive story that God was going to respond to our mess. God had a response in mind. And he gave us benchmarks, things to watch for, things to look for, that when this response would come. If you've been with us on Sunday mornings, you've, uh, you've heard us talk about things like our expectations. Our expectations were that this king would come on a and he would, have, he would sit on a throne and he would come with an army and he would take down Rome and all would be right with the world. And that's what the world expected. So to have this baby, this, this Messiah born in a barn to an unwed teenager just didn't match up with their expectations. So God's word had told them the whole way through what to look for. So that whenever you see these things, you can respond to the fact that your Messiah, your Redeemer, is among you. But in Isaiah, it's one of these prophecies, one of these benchmarks of what to look for, what to know, what to watch for. In Isaiah chapter 53, he says this, and he's talking about Jesus, by the way. For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. That, that this Messiah, he'll grow up amongst you. He will, you will watch him grow as a child. He will get dirty playing in the streets. And he will, he will, uh, he, he will be amongst you whenever you go to the markets and, the, and whenever you go to the temple. This little boy, he will be raised amongst you. Continuing verse 2, he had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. There was nothing going to be stand out about him. There was nothing that was going to, to be this, this radiant king about him. He was going to be a normal, ordinary human being. To the watching eye, that's what he was going to be. Verse 3, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. He was ostracized throughout his life. He was being raised by a woman and a man who had this baby out of wedlock. Not only that, but his dad was just a common carpenter. Society looked down on him because you can't be a king and come from that kind of history. That's what people believed. So they despised him. They had nothing to esteem him for. Surely he has borne, verse 4, he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was pierced. For our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. (coughs) 
You know, I looked at Mary and I see her response. She trusted that what God said was true and she responded to it whenever it started to happen in her life. And when God saw his creation, his, his jewel, his, his love, choose sin, it broke his heart, but he spent what he had to spend to get us back. He gave what he had to give to get us back. He responded to a mess that we created. You see, we serve a Savior who chose to come down to our situation. It says in in Isaiah that he was a man of sorrows and he was acquainted with grief. There's nothing that you and I are going to walk into or, or be a part of here on earth that brings pain and hurt. And the holidays sometimes bring reminders of pain and hurt. And know that you have the opportunity to serve a Savior who is well acquainted with your grief. You serve a Savior who is well acquainted with your suffering. You serve a Savior who is well acquainted with how you feel. You ask, why did he come as a baby? He didn't have to. He came because he lived amongst us. And Isaiah tells us that he was a man of sorrows who was acquainted with grief. He was common. We esteemed him not. We didn't hold him in high regard or high esteem. Jesus knows what it's like to live in this world because he lived in this world. Jesus knows what it's like to walk in the streets of this world because that's what he did. Jesus knows what it's like to get splinters in his hands. Jesus knows what it's like to be beaten and abused. Jesus knows what it's like to be talked down to and treated poorly. Jesus knows what it's like for the world around him to not value him or see him as someone of value. Jesus knows what it's like to have people who call him friends that abandon him. Jesus knows what it's like to be ostracized by the people who said they loved him. We serve a Savior who chose to come down to our situation. Listen, no other deity did that. Buddha did not do that. Allah did not do that. No other deity in the world today that we claim as a deity did that. They all have this holiness assigned to them and you have to aspire to that. And you'll never match up. And it's hopeless endeavor. And we serve a God who when His time to respond to our mess, a mess He did not make, when He chose to respond to our mess, He sent His own Son down into this world as a baby to be raised by common people in a small town. Jesus was a refugee in the first few years of his life. He was kicked out or had to flee out of his own country because there was oppression. Jesus had to learn how to live on very little. At some point in Jesus' story, his earthly father is off the scene, most likely because he passes away. When life isn't how we expect it to be, we can say, 
Yes, I will. Praise. Yes, I will. Trust God. Yes, I will. Walk with God because our Savior knows our struggles. He knows our situation. And praise and obedience is what He did in His lowest moments. Praise and obedience is what He modeled. And if He wants to, if He chose to live like that, then we can choose to live like that because we serve a risen Savior. And we can look at our situation this Christmas and we can say, Yes, I will. I will praise you in the lowest valleys. I will praise your name because you are worthy. Christmas is a story of hope because we have a Savior that was willing to step into our situation and bring us answers to, to problems we could not solve on our own. And we get to answer that with, yes, I will. Let's pray together. God, thank you that we get to, we get to live in this truth, that we get to uh, walk with you, that we get to know you, that, that you have given this light to us. Thank you for Christmas and the reminder that, that you did come to redeem us, to restore us, to, to build us up, to make us new. Lord, thank you for giving us your son. Thank you for the reminder at Christmas that he came into our situation in the most vulnerable way. To live like we live so that we could experience grace in a way that without him we would never be able to experience. May our prayer be, yes, I will.